It's time for Supply Chain Now Radio. Broadcasting live from the supply chain capital of the country, Atlanta, Georgia. Supply Chain Now Radio spotlights the best in all things supply chain. The people, the companies, the technologies, the best practices, and the critical issues of the day. Now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon. Scott Luton here with you live on Supply Chain Now Radio. Welcome back to the show. We're coming to you today from Vector Global Logistics, a company that is providing world-class logistics services, all while deeply investing into the communities that they serve, based here in Atlanta, but with an international reach. This company is on the move, and you can learn more at VectorGL.com. So today's show is the second installment of a new series here on Supply Chain Now Radio, one that we're really excited about. Uh, and uh, it helps us serve a purpose and, and serve a community that we have a deep uh, passion for. We're calling it the Vetlanta Voice Series, right? On this show, we're going to be focusing on the Vetlanta, uh, on the veteran community, especially from a, a supply chain perspective, of course. Um, we've partnered, as you might imagine, with Vetlanta, an outstanding organization based here in Atlanta that has been doing incredible work for our veterans, and we're going to talk more about Vetlanta in just a moment. Hey, on a quick programming note, like all of our series on Supply Chain Now Radio, you can find our replays on a variety of channels, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever else you find your podcasts. As always, we'd love to have you subscribe so you don't miss anything. So let's welcome in two dynamic co-hosts here today on the Vetlanta Voice Series. First off, once again, Lloyd Knight, Director of International Air Freight LMG at UPS Global Forwarding. Uh, Lloyd is also co-founder and president of Atlanta. How you doing, Lloyd? Great, Scott. Thanks for having us back. We are so glad to have you back. We had a great conversation in the first episode with uh, you and John, and uh, we're just getting started. Absolutely. Okay, and secondly, Greg White, co- not only a co-host on Supply Chain Radio, but a serial supply chain tech entrepreneur. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, thanks. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Um, and we got two really neat featured guests. Um, Christopher Plamp, CEO of Higher Heroes USA. How are you doing, Christopher? Doing great. Glad to be here. Great to have you as well. And Matthew Grobe with the U.S. Department of Labor's Vets Office of Strategic Outreach. How are you doing, Matt? Doing well, thanks. Okay. Um, so we're going to dive into a lot of different things on this episode of Vetland Voice on Supply Chain Radio. But where we want to start and where I think a lot of folks are interested and intrigued, and in some cases some folks aren't nearly as aware is with your transition stories. And, and so Matt and, and Christopher, as fellow veterans, I'd love for we to start there and kind of dive into y'all's transition from the military into the private sector. So, Christopher, let's start with you. Tell us about your transition story. Sure. It was kind of interesting. I had some unusual barriers, kind of. I did 26 years in the Air Force, and my last tour was over in a small town in Germany where I think there were more sheep than people. So (laughs) it was for a NATO job, so there's only about 12 Americans within 100 square miles. Mm -hmm. And uh, so really no American base close. So out processing, knowing what to do, trying to get associated with a U.S. company as I moved back to the States uh, was more of a challenge than it could be. Sure. And then the biggest barrier is that, well, I've been a pilot for 26 years. Mm. Flew the A-10, flew the Predator, had, had, had a great time. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I didn't really want to be a pilot. Cause so mm. normally, uh, someone like me would, would get out and they'd go fly for Delta, mm. you know, since I'm in Atlanta. Mm. Um, or I would go back and I would try to sell airplanes back to the government. Mm. Those are kind of the two standard career paths. And I had no interest in either one. 
So, like we find, we'll talk more about Hired Heroes later, but we find this all the time, is that it's a veteran that wants to do something different than what mm. they did in the military. Yeah. And because they haven't been in the civilian world, they, they, they don't know even know where to turn. They don't know what to think. They don't, they don't know, know what they don't know. And then I'm trying to do that out of Germany. So here I am trying to get information about companies back in the States while I'm sitting in Germany to do jobs that I'd never heard of before. Um, I don't know how to describe you know, who I am and what I've done. I don't have a resume. I don't know how to enter. I've never interviewed in my life for a job. The air military told me what my next job was. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm running through all this struggle. And, and to be honest, wow. it took quite some time to kind of narrow down into what I thought I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, went really well and ended up getting a couple job offers. And then uh, <laughs> saw a job on LinkedIn uh, to work in a nonprofit sector, something I had not considered in the last 30 years of my life. <laughs> um, but jumped all over it and ended up here at Hire Heroes. So it, it was it was uh, it was it was actually quite a challenge for me to find the right spot mm. uh, i was real fortunate as opposed to i think a lot of veterans uh, where i kind of hit it the first time i got to hire heroes i've loved it i've been there five years mm. and, and moved up to the ceo position and uh, but we have a lot of veterans that that that's not the case they mm. they go to the first one they find it's not a fit and then then they end up kind of job hunting until mm. they find that right match mm. um so uh, I was at Shaw Air Force Base back oh, yeah. when the 55th Fighter Squadron was there, right? Absolutely. A-10 squadron. We had three F-16s and one A-10 squadron. What is it like to fire that massive gun on the front <laughs> end and, and as you're flying? I can't even imagine. I mean. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, I, it's so funny because as you go through fighter lead-in training back then where you're taught how to be a fighter pilot, Everybody else going through fires the gun, and, and at the time it was the T-38. Mm. And they tell the A-10 guys, they're like, don't do it. It's so <laughs> different from what you're going to go do because this gun is so unusual mm. that it doesn't really matter. Mm. And Because uh, everybody else is firing it inside a half a mile, and we could start hitting the target at a mile, mile and a half away. So wow. your whole wow. – it's completely different. But the first time you fire it, the it actually goes off right below you. Mm. So the shape the plane shakes kind of violently. All this gun gas is going out the front and going over the cockpit. And 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 usually what happens is you squeeze the trigger and immediately release it because you're like, what was that? My plane is falling <laughs> apart. And you recover and you fly away and, you, and your flight lead instructor has to go, no, 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 that's normal. And I'm like, oh my god, that's normal. And uh, and then you get used to it. But uh, you know, I use that I use that gun in, in mm. Afghanistan mm. Um, against. You know, a whole variety of targets, and it's just an amazing weapon system, mm. the A-10. I, I, I flew it for a number of years and mm. loved every minute of it. Wow. Fantastic. Well, uh, so, Matt, shifting gears over to you, because I, I believe you're an Army veteran, right? Yep. Uh, and we'd love to kind of learn more, same same question, your transition into the private sector. Sure, thanks. Uh, so my, my transition story is started out a little bit similar to Christopher's in that I, w I was uh, in the Army for 23 years, and I retired also out of Germany. Mm. And also had some of the same challenges of how do you connect and identify uh, with uh, companies and or employers in the states when you're overseas. Mm. Uh, so that was a bit of a challenge. And uh, what was uh, my experience was I, I, I thought I had it all figured out and nailed down. Uh, I had actually received an offer for a civilian position in the exact same organization that I was retiring out of. Mm. Uh, but the problem was this was right at the end of 2012 and the beginning of 2013. And mm. if you recall back during that time frame, there was this thing called sequestration yeah. mm -hmm. where Congress couldn't come to, 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 to a deal and the Army imposed a hiring, uh, a hiring freeze. And I got caught up in that. Uh, my, my final offer literally came a day too late. Uh, so I was frozen wow. out, and I lost a job I never even started. Uh, so I was stuck over there in, in Germany. I was retired out, 
And uh, so we needed to kind of figure out, you know, what are we going to do? Atlanta had been kind of part of our plan because we were familiar with the area, having uh, come up here uh, a couple times when I was down at uh, Fort Benning for school uh, many years ago. And we thought that would be a a good area where we could come back to. So we did that. We uh, folded up our tent in Germany, moved Mm. across here, and started all over again. And it was not a smooth experience for me. Uh, I really had a hard time trying to figure out, you know, number one, what can I do? Mm. What do I really want to do? And I had a hard time explaining to people what I actually do. Uh, My job in the Army was called a force management officer, and it's kind of a small career field. Mm. So even people in the Army didn't understand what I did. (laughs) I couldn't explain it to them, and they were like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I had no idea. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So nobody understood what I did, whether it was uh, in the Department of Defense or in the civilian world. And I explained it to people in the civilian world. They're like, I have no idea what to make Mm. of that. Mm. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have a hard time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I really didn't know. I, when you talk about people don't know what they don't know, I was there. Uh, I had no idea how crappy my resume was. Mm. I had no idea what LinkedIn was. I had no idea what networking was. I didn't need to network in the military. You know, jobs and missions had a way of finding me. That's I didn't <laughs> need a network. <laughs> <laughs> you you know, were so doing the opposite. Absolutely. <laughs> I was trying to keep uh, you know keep that at, at bay. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, all of those transition skills that we now know are necessary, I really wasn't practicing. I had no mm. idea because, you know, like I said, I found myself that I, I thought I had a good job lined mm. up and then until I didn't. Mm. Uh, so I came back here and, uh, and uh, you know, took a couple odd jobs here and there, a little part-time job, uh, you know, full-time job doing some recruiting. And really my first full-time job that was meaningful was actually at Higher Heroes USA, uh, where I mm-hmm. worked also uh, with Christopher at, 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 an, as at the same time. No, yeah. Same, at the same okay. time. Frame. Wow. Yeah, probably started about a month or so apart from exactly. each other. Exactly. Yep. And uh, no, I found that that was actually meaningful, um, you know. So were y'all both hanging out in Germany together? This uh, <laughs> yeah. sheep, nope. sheep town full of sheep. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was kind of a special place. Okay. Yeah. No, I was in Heidelberg, so we had uh, oh. yeah, we actually had some, pe- uh, some people Great there. Town. But, but the, the neighboring town certainly had some some sheep and goats. <laughs> uh, well, well, Matt, you, you got to tell the story about how we met. Yeah. So so Lloyd and I actually met at at an event that UPS was hosting. Uh, I think it was an American Corporate Partners event. And uh, and I so I started talking to Lloyd. Said I okay, I wanted to, to to learn a little bit about you know what's going on out there. And so uh, I wanted to connect with the community and say all I really need is like you know by that time I kind of got some assistance with uh, with uh, uh, resume. I got some assistance. I was starting to piece it together. Mm-hmm. And I said okay, I'm just going to go to this event and see what happens. I met Lloyd there uh, at UPS. It was on at the uh, Supply Chain Solutions Building. And uh, we got to talking after that. We met up for coffee and everything like that. And we got to talking. And he, he kind of gave me some, some good feedback. He says, and you just need a network. Mm. You, know, you just need a network. That's really all you need. And the problem was the network didn't exist. So I, I, I learned a couple things from that meeting with Lloyd. Um, there are a number of people that are in a sim- similar situation to what I was experiencing. So I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. And my experience was actually not unique. The problem was... My experience was not unique. There were too many people having the same problems, um, trying to figure out how to get a job. Um, there were still companies that were really hesitant to hire at the time, so hiring was uh, was not robust. Mm. Unemployment for veterans was still pretty high, and I was part of that statistic. And uh, so that, co- that, that community, that network, just really wasn't here, but all the ingredients were here. 
And what I also learned was people like Lloyd and John Phillips uh, were, were involved in, in, in doing something about it. Uh, so it was kind of the genesis of what Vetlana started. It became that community resource and that network that didn't exist about putting all those pieces together. Uh, so I jumped on that bandwagon early on and said, hey, how can I help? And let's build a, let's build a solution for people that are coming after mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Deeds, not words. Yeah, Deeds, absolutely. not words. Yeah. And that was a great cup of coffee, man. There's so much as came out of that cup of coffee. Sure did. There's been started a th- something great. Yeah, there's been a thousand cups since then. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, so, you know, we, we've heard our transition story. And we've yeah. heard John's transition story. You've heard mine. <laughs> You know, you're a fellow blue suitor. Mm. How did you get from being in the Air Force to, you know, being the podcast god that you are today? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, I don't know. I think as I heard both Christopher and um, Matt kind of walk through there, I, I, a lot of that was was relevant um, uh, to my own transition. Uh, you know, I absolutely didn't know what I didn't know. And, 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 and also, for me um, – I was a, a very atypical uh, military veteran as I graduated. Um, I went in straight out of high school, enlisted, right? Uh, I got a scholarship to get a commission. The Air Force sent me to college. Uh, uh, did not, I was immature, and so me and ROTC did not work together. And, and you know, in my defense, even though I was a very immature 19-year-old person, being in the real world and kind of seeing what the standards are once you've kind of hit your, your first duty station and then trying to, uh, relate that back to the ROTC environment, which is much more like technical school and basic. It just didn't work. So uh, the Air Force, uh, to their credit, they let me graduate, and then they sent me back in to finish up my term enlisted. Um, and um, so I wrapped up at, at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas, right? Home Beautiful of, city. It is It is a really <laughs> neat city. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so when my time was up, I really enjoyed uh, – what I was doing, I was a, I was a data ana- uh, data analyst to R zero five one, doing data analysis on on maintenance activities, CAMS Go eighty one. Y'all might have dealt with these a couple times. Um, however, I had student loans, and student loans and enlisted, especially early enlisted salaries, did not go together. Although, you know, we had some deferments going on, so I felt obligated to kind of get out and and start my private sector uh, career. However, um. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, my, my degree that I earned from South Carolina didn't really set me up for a, a certain career path. And also I had that had two years from the time I graduated until the time that I even began. Because I waited until I was done to start job searching. That was another huge mistake I made, right? Um, so I didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know how to go out and find a job. I didn't know what I was qualified for. If I had if my head wasn't as if I wasn't as thick headed, I would have stayed in analytics, right? Because then then we could have you know, had this on the beach somewhere maybe, but um, I failed miserably at transition. And and, and, and so um, we ended up, uh, a, a guy by the name of Jeff Moses in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, I felt sorry for him maybe, and gave me a job selling computer training. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he we've all been through it. You know, I was going through a Rolodex of recruiters month after month, couldn't find, you know, was getting the phone interview and not going, getting any further. Uh and and so this uh, Jeff graciously gave me a shot. We did well, and then not too long after we we got our first role in the, in the manufacturing industry, and that really is what where my career ended up taking me most. You know, working in the manufacturing industry or supporting it, and ultimately you know moving to Atlanta, which is a great uh, supply chain that supports a lot of the manufacturing industry. Um, but 
when I look back at that, and, and one of the reasons why we are as passionate now about, about trying to, as best we can, try to give transition advice or try to connect people or, you know, give back to folks that are going through that transition now, is I, I look at me, I, I wasn't a combat vet, so I didn't have PTSD. I had a four-year degree, um, and I was in Wichita, Kansas. I had one 45-day TDY, but I was in Wichita, Kansas. I wasn't even in Germany. Had all these factors that should have made transition very easy for me, but I struggled, you know. And 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 fortunately, um, uh, you know, folks stepped in and and helped us, you know, get our career started. But man, I, I had it made in many ways, and yet, you know, as folks come back from you know being deployed and and they're, they got separation or they've got all you know PTSD, you've got. Um, you're used to, you know, a lot of us in the, you know, in the military, obviously we get really addicted to that camaraderie and that, and that dedication to mission. And, you know, that's one of the first things you miss when you, when you, you know, take the uniform off is you don't have that. You don't have a boss that's going to stop by your dorm room and make sure you're okay. Right. And make you answer the door. You lose all those kind of things. So, um, so networking and, and finding, you know, finding out that you're not alone was really important in my transition. And then folks, Ultimately, it comes down to someone taking a chance on giving a veteran that may even be, I was not qualified to sell computer training. I'll be the first person. I'm, I'm still not qualified to sell it. Um, but, but you did it. We did it. Yeah. And, and it worked out. And it worked out for Jeff. It worked out for us. And, and you know, I think, I hate to be too simplistic about it, but I think it's all too often it comes down to a business leader saying, you know what? When we stack all these candidates up, I, I love candidate A and candidate B and candidate C, but, man, sometimes you just got to give someone an opportunity. And I think uh, tying it back to transition, that's what it seems like corporate America's gotten better at. You know, we see all these programs that are being stood up uh, from Starbucks to First Data to, you know, UPS, all these organizations that really they're not just talking about giving veterans a chance, but they're writing checks to make it happen. And that's what we need to do more of. Well, you know why we do that, don't you? We're not doing it out of the kindness of our hearts. Right. That's Veterans right. give us a competitive advantage, and industry has finally realized that. Absolutely. Great point. And, and uh, I'm good at butchering words because it, it's not a – I don't make – I don't want to make – I didn't mean it to come across as, as a pity contest because it's not. Um, because veterans, especially in supply chain – I mean, we talked about it the first half. We get and, – and Christopher and Matt were both talking about it downstairs with uh, Enrique. We get – logistics and supply chain almost like in our dna you know um so that's been neat to see and and, and so well said lloyd you you, you uh you as you as usual you're mo- far more graceful than i am with words <laughs> i gotta tell you that from a civilian perspective this is really enlightening because mm-hmm. the the level of uh, that you all have expressed about your lack of knowledge about how things are done in the real business world or whatever you want to call it i think those of us who have been in the real mm. business world for 26 years, we have almost zero knowledge of what you've gone through. Mm. And, the, and you know, as, as I'm sitting here listening to you all talk about this, it's, it's an all-encompassing environment that really shields you from the knowledge that you need, mm. not, not intentionally so, but, but by virtue of its, the nature of its existence. Mm. Field well, shields you from the knowledge that you need in the marketplace. And I think it's... I think of it as a combination of this. Look, I'm just riffing here. So, uh, you know, I think of it as, as you said, there's a certain maturation mm. in not as human beings, but in your knowledge of of the workplace, the the civilian workplace. Um, and there's a, there's a certain 
uh, facilitation that I think is required by business to do that. I mean, if, if businesses were to look at veterans like they do young people and mm. diversity groups, I think you would have, if you could relay it in those terms to businesses, I think you'd have a lot greater understanding in the business world of how to how to manage this, right? It's, it is a world that most of us can't relate to mm. in any way. Well, right? we We've seen it in the movies, oh. but we haven't really done it. Mm. No, I was going to say, we, act, we look at it all sometimes the other way, which is that um, it's a training gap when they get out. They, there are certain things that they have not done and in many cases not been trained to do, right. which as you go through your first jobs out of high school and you, you get on, by the time you get to a junior manager role, which a lot of the enlisted are getting out as, mm-hmm. you would have already submitted a ton of resumes. You would have gone in and interviewed. You would have salary negotiated. You would have worked with HR. You'd have a 401K established. You'd have all these things that are just natural mm. to the person yeah. that's that junior manager yeah. in a company. Second nature, right. And then all of a sudden you have someone coming out of the military who has done none of that. Yep. They are an expert at the military personnel system. They know yep. how to lead troops. They know how to tackle technical orders. They know how to read a regulation. They know how to deal with stressful situations or clean a rifle. But they don't know any of the stuff on how to get a job. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's where we see that it's this this disconnect. And, and our goal is always to, to have the company hire the best person for the job. We hope that that's a veteran. But if we set them up right and they walk in and they've got a good resume, which gets them in the door, mm-hmm. and then they interview well that really speaks to the knowledge and skills that they have, and then they get hired, mm-hmm. well, that's a great hire. Because mm-hmm. the company's getting this highly talented individual, and the individual's moving into a job that they were worthy of to get in. Yeah. It's where they don't know what they're doing that they end up getting jobs that are misfits, where they're underpaid for their quality of what mm-hmm. they know in their training. And so it is. It's very difficult. And corporate America is understanding that better. But programs through also the DOL or Higher Heroes USA mm-hmm. are all designed to kind of breach that and get them to that level where they can get that job. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, we have to put the onus on corporate America, though, as well. I see what I see is a lot of initiative mm-hmm. on the part of veterans, organizations supporting veterans. What I don't see is an, a meshing of understanding from the corporate side. And I don't kn- I can't say that's lack of effort. I think it's lack of perspective, right? I think that somehow we need to have the epiphanal moment that I've had here and be able to translate that into something to go, oh, I get it, right? Yeah. We need to be, y- you almost need to relate it to civilians mm. in terms that they're familiar with, right? This is an inexperienced person in the workplace. Forget that it's a veteran I- in some ways, right? But how would you nurture any other inexperienced person in the workplace who doesn't have those kind of experiences? Mm. Well, you know, I, th- I think uh, I think the onus is, is on the community itself. It, it, it's got to be more than government. It's got to be more than the military. It's got to be more than corporation. It, it's got to be everything included, you know, yep. nonprofits, mm-hmm. academia. And that's been one great thing about Vetlanta is we've become the great connector and brought all those organizations mm-hmm. together. And, you know, our goal is to make Atlanta the top destination in the country for veterans and their families to work and live. And, and I think that is a good community approach. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you know, uh, uh, to kind of tie this all up, you, these companies have to lean in, right? They've got to want yeah. to engage. They've got to want to seek first to understand whoever said that. Because um, that, that's – that is, Steven you got to empathize, right? Yeah. Empathize. So, um, not sympathize. You got to empathize. 
Huge yeah. difference between the right. two, as stated by Brian Devine with Prologistics one time. All right, so let's talk about Higher Heroes, Christopher. Sure. Uh, you, you were starting to kind of connect the dots on some of the things you all do in the, in the mission. Tell us more about Higher Heroes USA and your role, please. Well, the whole goal of Higher Heroes USA is to empower these veterans that we've been talking about and military spouses. Um, we work a lot with military spouses because they also struggle based upon sure. military service. Um, so we work with both the transitioning military and the veterans and then with the military spouses. And our goal is kind of what I just described. We want to get them into quality employment. But we do it as opposed to just trying to place them into a company by teaching them this. We're going to help them learn how to make a quality resume, how to network, how to do a LinkedIn profile, how to interview, you know, how do you dress for an interview? What do you wear? What type of company are you looking for? What is your strategic plan? How do you bargain for your salary? And so all that side, we're going to work with those, with the, with the veterans coming in. And, and we bring in about 400 new veterans a week to work with. A so week. Wow. A week. So wow. we're going to help about 15,000 this year. Uh, we're on a goal and on track to get about 10,000 into jobs. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're trying to make it happen and we're national. So we, we work virtually with them because a lot of today, I mean, I, I, a lot of today is the virtual world. So they're going to connect to us through the computer. We're going to call them on the phone. We're going to work with them via Skype, text message, whatever's the best way for them to get them these skills and feel comfortable going out there and trying to find the right job. Mm. It's really a, it's a transformational moment for them. Um, about 60% of the people that come through don't, do not end up at a job that they thought they wanted when they came in <laughs> mm. because they don't, they don't know what so they So like college know. graduates. Absolutely. They're like, <laughs> you know, well, I got my major in that, but now yeah. what am I actually going right. to do? Mm. Right. Well, in this case, hey, I, I, I did X in the military, but either I'm not interested in that or they find out that they've got all these other leadership skills and management skills mm-hmm. and Lean Six Sigma skills and mm-hmm. IT skills and all these that they didn't actually know. So we pull it out of them and put it on a resume and show it to them, and they go, oh, wow, I have all sorts of jobs that are Mm. open to me. And then we'll start to navigate them, and we see them all of a sudden go from, well, I'm going to do this one specific thing to, well, there's a whole, you know, there's a plethora of things out there for me to go to. So so not only are you providing awareness and kind of, uh, uh, some perspective for these veterans, but also kind of what I heard you allude to is you're providing some confidence Absolutely. in what they know and reconfirming, right? Because um, at least I can relate to when I came out of the Air Force, it was tough to make that connection between what we did in the Air Force, at least at the time, you know, I, and I exited in 02. So it's been a little while, you know, when I couldn't make the I had a challenge to make a connection, what I did in the Air Force and how it related to the private sector. And that, that impacts your confidence in yeah. ways that you can really um, stymie your um, you know, ability to get a job. Yeah, and so one of the things that we do is to translate that military service into civilian terminology, kind of what you were talking mm-hmm. about. You know, what does that job that you know you did, how do we translate that into civilian terminology? Mm-hmm. The other part is to all the stuff that you don't know that you have. When you just by going through basic training, you have learned followership. You've learned how to read an uh, instruction manual. You've learned how to have self-discipline. You know right. to show up to work on time. Right. I mean, basic things that companies want are instilled in these military veterans. But because everybody's doing the same thing, they don't view that as unusual. Yeah. And so we have to remind them: you you've done some really unusual skills. Mm. Yeah. You know, not everybody knows how to go to the range and shoot a rifle. What goes into that? safety procedures right. the ability to follow orders the Diligence, ability to you know to actually that. execute a task until you're trained high enough to be proficient in it these are all critical skills well we can pull those out 
And now they know when they go that they come with more confidence, that they have more than just what their operational specialty codes say. Mm -hmm. At the one of the best programs we have, and I'm going to bring this up because of Lloyd, <laughs> is that we have we have about seven really good stories always start Lloyd just like that. Or <laughs> well, he's he's one of our best. Um, we have 700 volunteers throughout throughout corporate America that we can link the the clients going through the veterans and the military spouses if they want to get into a certain career mm -hmm. field, like they want to get into logistics supply chain logistics well we have professionals in those areas they can they can get hold of on the phone and give them great insight into these career fields mm. and many times we find that veterans are like okay yeah this matches exactly i didn't know quite how to do it i didn't know exactly the certifications i needed maybe i need to go back to school but mm. these volunteers help lloyd is one of our best he's helped a tremendous yeah. amount of people uh inside of our organization i can see that uh, and having known Lloyd for several years, I also know he doesn't like talking about what he does and, and his volunteerism. But he is a uh, he was a first sergeant, you know, first shirt in the Air Force. And, it, you know, I don't like the stereotype, but, man, I can see you now. I can see you now fulfilling that duty because you have a natural concern for folks and, and obviously a natural concern for the veteran community. So but uh, Christopher, to your point, you know, having these working interviews, having these um these resources where you're able to talk shop and uncover and become more aware of, of these, these industries and these paths. You, I mean, it's an invaluable service. And to where you, you are operating on the scale of, of get helping 10,000 veterans get jobs wow. this year. Yeah, it's about one every 12 minutes that we're working. That's, Man, that's that is what I'm talking about. If I had an applause button, you know, <laughs> we'd ring it a couple times. But that's Hire Heroes USA. Yeah, that's two That's two vets so far during this show, mm. Absolutely. by the way. And, and and just so I won't forget later, how can folks plug in? What what's Where do you direct people for we, Hire? I direct them to our webpage. Okay. Um, we're nas nationwide. It's going to be HireHeroesUSA.org. Okay. So, All right. so, hey, Christopher, the um, – Hire Heroes USA was one of the first nonprofits that earned my trust when I founded the first Veterans Business Resource Group at UPS. I didn't know a whole lot about the organization, but I met the CEO at the time, Brian Stan, and really Brian earned a meeting with me because I knew who he was. You know, if you're familiar with Brian Stan, he was a UFC fighter, mixed martial arts. I was big into it, but that's not what earned me the confidence. Brian came through the doors at UPS, and what uh, um, really impressed me was the uh, one he knew where the money was being spent, and the, uh, every dollar. And there was this constant, really need to help more veterans with the dollars you had, and, and I, I was really impressed with that. And he knew the data and, and and the numbers behind it. And one of the things that I've really truly respected about Higher Heroes USA with with Brian as CEO and, and his USC as CEO is you guys have continually transformed. And certainly in Vetlana, we've seen the space change majorly in the, the, the last five and a half years. Mm. And we're always changing our strategy. So what's next up for Higher Heroes USA with the, with the continually changing market? Well, it is interesting because you'd think right now veteran unemployment is at an all-time low. And so sometimes I'm asked, you know, what do you still need this job? But <laughs> you know, first of all, <laughs> first of all, I have to realize there's 270,000 transitioning military every year. Wow! And nothing that I've talked about so far has dealt with combat or mm -hmm. anything else. It's a skills gap that always exists for somebody that's been in the military. So there's there's still that need. But really, what we found when you started working with Higher Heroes, Lloyd, um, we kind of had one answer for every veteran. 
It was like, this is what we do. You come in, you get this service, you talk to, because we, we pair them with a transition specialist who works with them the entire time they're going through the system. Um, and we kind of had one service for each each type of client. Same, and we use the same service for military spouses when they came in. Mm. Well, what we've really been doing and where we're heading is a much more individualized service depending upon who you are. You know, what are your needs? Mm. So now when you come in, you answer a series of questions, and then we're trying to provide the right service for you. And that could be, hey, I'm looking for a federal position in DOL, you know, if you really want to go work there. Um, but <laughs> it, it <laughs> so we have a path that's going to help you specifically with a federal job application. Um, if you if you don't have the time or you don't want to speak to one of our transition specialists, now we have an entire virtual track that you can go mm -hmm. into, and you can take online courses just like you're taking an online college course to get to the same point. Still assigned to one of our people that you can reach out and ask questions. So now what we continue to do is break that apart. We've also had a couple of focus areas, um, military spouses, we found weren't doing as well mm. in that environment as the veterans because it was really designed for the veterans, translating mm. military skills into civilian terminology. Well, dealing with spouses, that their problem is is that their resumes are inconsistent because they had to go from place to place. Right. And, you know, if they're in Kalkar, Germany, it's tough getting a job. If, you know, if they happen to get in the right place, so it'll be, it'll, they'll go from really good jobs to really poor jobs to, to gaps in their resume. That's a completely different skill set. So we, we split out a set of military spouses as transition specialists helping them. They can speak their language, and that has increased uh, our ability to help those military spouses tremendously. Another category that we've really been working with are women veterans. Mm -hmm. um, they have additional barriers to employment. Uh, we right. know that through data analysis and, and what we've looked at. Um, and so we continue to work, and we do specialized workshops for them. Um, and we have special uh, – we have different – programming to make sure that we're servicing those clients so mm -hmm. our goal is to continue to do that to try to provide more and more individualized service even though we're operating at scale mm. and an impressive wow. scale i mean scale. yeah love hearing uh, and, and this is really the first time despite all the interactions and, and collaboration this is my first time really sitting down and really understanding the hire heroes usa model and the and more importantly the impact you're making i like how you put it two veterans since we've sat down here uh, that's, that's I mean, really that's a, that's a that's a good way of looking at it. It's almost know? three now. Yeah. <laughs> Proper context is yeah. important. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no fake news here. All right, here we go. So, Lloyd, let's talk about hire heroes. Uh, and you know, with all of your time that you've spent as a volunteer with the organization, give us. You know, I'm always after stories. Give us one unique volunteer story that really stands out. You know, I was thinking about this. I, I actually have a lot of hire heroes USA stories, and the uh, one of my favorites is. Um, I got to know a Marine colonel that came and spent time at UPS in a military fellowship program. So he, he came and spent about a week, a week and a half with me. And I was really impressed because I was impressed with it. He didn't seem like your typical Marine colonel. He was, <laughs> he was very... Paint uh, a picture for well, Yeah, what does that mean? He, he, was a little, he was more executive-like and a little bit less hoorah. Mm -hmm. And he fit right into the UPS culture. And I was really, really impressed. Well, three years later, it's time for this colonel to retire. And as a lot of folks do in my network, they contact me when they need help <laughs> with the transition. And he sent me this resume, and it was the worst resume I had ever seen. <laughs> and it, we took this guy who was executive, had that whole culture when he was at UPS, and his military was the worst. He, he had mentioned colonel like 20 times in it, <laughs> including on it, in his name. He used his rank. 
uh, there are acronyms on there I had never heard of, and and, and probably I, should. And, <laughs> should. and, and one, one thing I'm and, and Matt will tell you this. One thing is I'm very direct when it comes to giving feedback on on a resume because you want somebody to be very direct with yeah. you. And you it's only you want to somebody to put out, you know, give you the the truth. And I always say when when you want somebody to review your resume, find somebody that is unemotionally attached to you. So mm-hmm. they're yeah. gonna tell you the truth and, and, and I let him have it. <laughs> and he, uh, but I also gave him a, a hey, he was a Marine. He, he was a Marine. <laughs> so he punched me in the face and <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was fine. <laughs> so, so he uh, you know, I gave him the resources too. Like every veteran that contacts me, uh, Hire Heroes USA is the number pl- one place I send them in to. Mm. And you know, I gave him a couple others and didn't really hear back from him and was pretty certain that I offended him. Mm. And, and and then about four months later, I'm sitting in my office and I, I work in a headquarters building and I get a call from a vice president of sales and it says, hey, we got a customer in the building. It was a large defense contractor and, and their vice president of operations wants to talk to you. And he wants you to come up to the meeting. And, and I walked in, and it was this colonel. Wow. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'm going to be looking for transition <laughs> services. Hey, we'd we be here. We'd be there for you, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, and you know what? He, 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 he gave me a coin and said, hey, th- this person is why I'm here at today. If, uh, if it wasn't for Lloyd, you know, giving me Higher Heroes USA mm. and, and, and giving a good resume in, in my hand, I wouldn't have this job today. Wow. Well, just for the record, if I was a colonel in the Air Force, I'd put that everywhere in my resume, <laughs> social yeah. media. I would have the, the full board <laughs> logo plate on the front of the Cadillac or something. I don't know. Um, so the um, I want to switch gears back over to Matt here and, and talk about some of the services and resources that, that you are well familiar with. And, and, you know, Matt, before we talk about the, um, the resources themselves formally, you know, you talk about someone that, We'll pick up a phone call and talk and try to help however they can. Uh, I had put Matt in touch with a family member that was uh, working with a um, a series of, of um, machinery companies that were looking for um, a variety of key roles, right? And there's a lot of great uh, talent in the military in particular, especially related to technical and maintenance and folks that can make incredible things happen with their hands. Er, not me. Uh, I can barely change my oil, which my wife would would laugh at. But um, but Matt picked up the phone call. I mean, directly. We'll talk to, uh, I believe, our family member the same day and and offered everything he knew and and offered to make connections. And that really, you know, going back to something that I know we talk often a lot about, you know, deeds, not words, you know, because there's too much lip service. There's too much, especially in terms of support for the veteran community. Um, you know, Lloyd, as we touch on, a big part of Vetlana is vet and the vetting that goes on to get past all the lip service. Um, but at the core of Vetlana are folks that are willing to step up and take action to help and provide help. So I think there's a, a, a that skill set is very well represented around this table here. So, Matt, um, talk about the U.S. Department of Labor vets, that, that resource. Um, You've already mentioned. I didn't realize coming in that the connection between you and Christopher. I mm-hmm. bet y'all have some stories. Maybe all you can't all share all of them uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe that's a future podcast. Yeah, yeah that could be that's a, good a podcast in and of itself. itself. Right there. Yes, that's right. Um, but tell tell more about uh, the vets program. Sure. Um, so the agency that I work for is it's in the Department of Labor and it's a Veterans Employment and Training Service or VETS. Uh, so we have acronyms too. Most of us are military. Mm. Uh, <laughs> 
And and really, our mission is is really to to help set the conditions and shape the ecosystem for veterans to succeed in the in the workforce. And this is not just in Georgia. This is this is national. Yeah, this is national. Important. So my role is I cover the Southeast United States. It's eight states uh, here in the Southeast, and I have five peers that cover the rest of the the regions. That's just uh, in my particular role. Um, working one-on-one with employers uh, to help them uh, hire veterans. Mm. But some of the things that we also do is um, what we're probably more uh, known for uh, is the Department of Labor Employment Workshop that's administered through the, the TAP, uh, or the Transition Assistance Program. It's one of the, uh, the core requirements in addition to some of the VA services or some of the other things uh, that are now mandatory. So this is something that's different. Uh, all of us that were... Uh, coming out of the military several years ago, um, we didn't have these when we were in, um, but it became mandatory after 2011 Mm -hmm. uh, that everybody getting out of the military must go through this workshop. You have to do it before you separate. Mm -hmm. And it's the basics. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very condensed workshop. It is, it's, it's a lot of things coming at you fast. It's about a 400 page uh, curriculum coming at you in about three days. Only in the military. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the absorption rate, you know, it's, it is what it is. But it's, it's a lot of material. But it's, it's really to get them started on those basics because they knew that, uh, you know, they weren't uh, making this mandatory. They were providing some information before, but it was like, hey, do you need this? Hey, you can do this. Hey, good luck out there. Thanks for your service. Bye. Uh, and that was a bad experience for, for a lot of people and, and you know, uh, contributed to, to a very high uh, unemployment rate. So mm-hmm. if you take a look back what happened after the Great Recession, you had a confluence of some pretty significant events. You had the recession itself and a lot of people laying off workers. You had the military downsizing at the time, so a lot more veterans coming out into a bad labor market at, at, at the wrong time. Um, so they made this mandatory, and it's the, it's to get them started. It's the basic, hey, this is what a resume looks like. Uh, this is what a job search strategy looks like. This is this thing called LinkedIn. It's to really get them started on that uh, and really immerse them in there so they can start getting a resume together and start getting their products together, start practicing their, their interviewing skills. Um, but it is a three-day workshop. Mm. Uh, many installations are pretty good in that they provide also counselors available to help them continue that but really uh, the, the workshop is really just as a workshop uh, and then they've got to continue on uh, so having resources in addition to that uh, is really what's necessary out there so if they can go through the employment workshop and then connect right away to an organization like Hire Heroes USA that can can work with them one-on-one for the duration and through their transition uh, that's a really wonderful handoff mm. Um, so that's one of the services that we're known for. Uh, what we also do is we provide uh, grants to states. Uh, so most of the workforce services is this is this part of the uh, DOL or is this part of the VETS part of, program? It's part of our, our program. Okay. Uh, so most of the services are actually administered by state workforce agencies. Mm. The workforce system in America is really decentralized and operated by the states. Mm. So that's 54 uh, workforce agencies here in the U.S., all 50 states, D.C., and three territories, Guam, Virgin Islands, and, uh, and uh, Puerto Rico, uh, all have workforce agencies. Uh, we also provide grants for them to hire specialized staff, uh, local veterans employment representatives that work one-on-one with local employers. And they also hire uh, what we call disabled veterans outreach program specialists that can work one-on-one with veterans uh, with significant barriers to employment and help them reintegrate back into the workforce. Mm. Another grant that we operate is specialized. uh, It's it's something that really touches my heart. It's the Homeless Veterans Reintegration Program. Mm. 
uh, we granted about $48 million this year uh, to organizations that provide the service. And this is just to provide that career training uh, that formerly homeless veterans need to get up to speed, get the skills that they need to reintegrate back into the workforce. And it works pretty well with VA's uh, grants, with HUD's grants for housing. Uh, it's really a good bundle that helps uh, reintegrate them back into the workforce. Mm. Uh, so that's some of the other things that we do that are that are really meaningful. Uh, we also protect a lot of uh, their rights. Uh, our agency is the federal agency that enforces the Uniform Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act, or mm. USERA. Uh, that really affects the Guard and Reserve community. Right. Uh, ever since uh, 9-11, 2001, the Guard and Reserve component has really been operationalized. They're really not a reserve component anymore. They really are operationalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ever since we've done that, they've had significant experiences and challenges when we take them away from their employers, send them downrange for a year or so, and then have them come back. So it really affects them. It also protects their uh, veterans' preference when it comes to federal hiring. Mm. Mm. Uh, going back to something you shared, and, and, and Lloyd, I know you have a follow-up question to Matt, but real quick, the homeless situation. You know, I, I think it's it is a shame that we are talking about veteran and 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 for I mean, it's a shame for anyone to be homeless. But folks that have you know worn the worn the uniform, defend the country, gone off and been deployed, oftentimes, uh, you know, done made all those sacrifices, uh, and then come back and. Um, We've got to do a better job there, and, and even here in Atlanta, you know, it, it's not. Um, Lloyd, we've talked about this before. There's been certain pronouncements made about you know whether it exists, whether it doesn't exist. You and I both were. We, we walked the streets. We had walked the streets not it too exists. long ago. Mm-hmm. It does exist. That's it right. Does exist, uh, and we can all speak to it. And that that just um, it breaks my heart. And I and it, that sounds cliche, but it really is just such a, a situation where you want to pull your your hair out. Um, but y'all, I mean, it's really neat to see, uh, how diverse the resources are kind of based on the need. Um, and, and, you know, going back to what Christopher, you were talking about customization as well, especially on an individual basis. And, you know, those are great developments because it's not one size fits all, despite some of these, these common challenges across the Uh veteran community still the ability to personalize based on what the need is. That's, that's a good flexibility to have. I think. No, go ahead, Christopher. I was just going to say that, that the, the homeless veteran issue brings up another part of this, which is that a homeless veteran needs a, a whole variety of services. They need what DOL is providing. They need shelter. They need to eventually get into a job because eventually they need to start producing the income. They probably need health care services from the VA and other organizations for, for a variety of things. And this is where you get this community effort, which always takes me back to like a Atlanta organization mm-hmm. that is trying to bring not just one entity like ourselves mm-hmm. to the fight, but it's it's a community engagement effort. And Atlanta, you know, leads that knowledge inside of Atlanta where they can bring DOL and Hire Heroes and other organizations all working to create, you know, whatever that the everything that this individual needs mm. because it isn't a single issue it isn't mm-hmm. just homelessness yep, it correct. isn't just medical care it isn't just employment and we all have to work together and that's that's where organizations like Vetlan and some others around the country have really risen to the challenge and uh, and the government the good on them is is right in that mix yep. yeah yep. yeah that's good to hear I, I think what's encouraging is that there's some level of success we're talking about and much of this that we're talking about is you know, since some, let's just say 2011, 
right? I mean, that that's not insignificant progress. It's a good point. In what's a relatively short time. Yep. Right? Progress There's is lots being to do, made. Yeah. Uh, one quick shout out. Uh, a v, um, the VEO Atlanta, incredible what they've done. Uh, we need to do it. We need to dedicate a whole show based on their story, their we, background. We will. Yes, we will. definitely will. Where it started, where they are now. I mean, they are literally doing the Lord's work by by bringing these folks on. And, and Christopher, you do a nice job of kind of painting the picture of what you know. I think some folks think of homelessness, and they they've got a, a stereotypical image in their mind. But these are folks that that they don't have a driver's. They don't. They can't even prove their identity to tap into some of the resources that that they are entitled to. Mm. And the v and and so um, veohero.org, I believe, is their website, right? right? So if, if you're interested, if any of our listeners are interested in really tapping into one organization, one nonprofit that is moving the needle to really tackle veteran homelessness, uh, visit veohero.org, and you will see uh, an incredible story of, of, of the needle really being moved here in Atlanta. One other quick comment, and and then. Um, I think if you're if you're a veteran or a non-veteran that, that, that is a veteran advocate or care about the community, and you're in a city other than Atlanta, I think a lot of what we're a lot of what we're hearing as part of this conversation are ideas. You know, Christopher, you're talking about how Vetlanta kind of serves as a um, um, an evangelist about the need, a rallier about you know bringing these different groups together while vetting some of the causes and some of the you know folks that are claiming to. to to address the problem versus those that are really doing it and getting the word out so that there is more coordination to tackle some of these big, heavy-hitting items. And so if you're listening to us in a different city, the same opportunity exists, yeah, right? Atlanta was a grassroots effort. It started five and a half years ago from with me and John Phillips and, and probably 12 other people in the room, and our, that's what was our first meeting. Wow. And, and we just started looking at where the gaps were, what organizations were adding – uh, providing true value to veterans and their families, and then we grew it. I yep. mean, we're 2,000 members now, but Man. it started from just a handful of us meeting for coffee, wanting to do good. But I'll tell you, those those types of organizations have power. So this type of theory in the nonprofit and other spaces has, has created this ability to say that, hey, we need to help the veteran holistically. Mm. So about 25% of our clients that, that we start working with, the veterans and the military spouses, are referred from other organizations mm. across the nation that say, hey, we're working with them with PTSD, we're working with them with homelessness, we're working with them with, with other issues, and now they need employment. Mm. So therefore, we'll refer them to Hire Heroes because you're the expert at that. And then we do the same thing vice versa. Yeah. So if somebody's in Atlanta and is you know and comes to us and they're homeless, well, they're eventually going to need a job. But first, we need to get them to VEO. Then right. we need to make sure that they know about the the DOL resources. Then we need to make sure that they get to other places. And organizations like these community organizations across the country enable us to do that and provide better services than we could on our own. Yeah. Well, that uh, that's a great uh, point, and I have a, a question for both of you, and we'll start off with Matt. You know, when I transitioned and retired in 2007, there wasn't a lot of help. You know, we, we did have tap class. I, I read every issue of GI Jobs, I, they, uh, <laughs> I took, and they focused me a couple years later, which, mm-hmm. which, was, which was, was really cool. And then I had a great uh, Airman and Family Readiness Center on Seymour Johnson that they, uh, told me my resume sucked. <laughs> and, and, and offered me some great advice. But mm-hmm. now it's kind of just the opposite with ve- a lot of veterans getting out. 
Uh, mm. There's so many organizations that help, and I, I, I liken it to running down the hallway, full sprints, and there's people screaming at you on both sides, and you got to try to find the right resources that's going to provide the right help at the right time. Mm-hmm. So for both of you, outside of you know the DOL vets and, and Hire Heroes USA, what are some of the organizations that you see that are really providing value? Yeah, certainly. Uh, so I mentioned earlier how you know state workforce agencies can provide that service. Uh, it's probably the largest uh, network uh, uh, of a government agency or system of agencies that can provide a lot of services that most people don't know about. Uh, so I, you know, I recommend a lot of people as they're getting out, uh, or if you're already out, to check with your state workforce agency. Here in Georgia, for example, it's the Georgia Department of Labor. Uh, it's also the Technical College System of Georgia that operates their workforce programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in Florida, for example, it's Career Source. So it might be called different things, but every state has one. And the thing about that is that all veterans, regardless of era, are entitled to to a priority of service. Uh, they get seen ahead of or instead of a non-veteran. That means they're also uh, eligible uh, for potential training uh, programs that might be administered in their area uh, based on the demand of of employers. Uh, So I'd uh, really encourage people to take a look and see what they can do for you. A lot of them have staff that can provide (coughs) similar services. They can help you with some of your career services. Mm. Uh, Let's talk about the math. Uh, As great as Higher Heroes USA is, um, you know, Christopher mentioned some numbers there. Uh, they're only going to scratch about 5% of all transitioning service members coming out. Mm. Okay, there's, a, there's, there's that many coming out. That's just normal tra- uh, transition. Uh, we're not downsizing or anything like that. That's just normal people getting out at their end of ser- service or retiring and going about uh, the rest of their, their, their non-military careers. Uh, so there's a tremendous need for the capacity. Uh, through those state workforce agencies last year, uh, all of them, about 2,400 career centers across the U.S., served about half a million veterans uh, for various services. It can be anything from how do I file for unemployment to how do I connect with employers in this area, how can I retrain, uh, you know, so a, a number of programs that are available to them. Um, on the non-government side, I'd say, you know, take a look at both of them. This really has to be uh, an all-of-the-above solution. Uh, so there are other national uh, nonprofit organizations. Hiring Our Heroes is a good organization. They do l- tremendous events. They operate uh, a program to, to take advantage of skill bridge programs so that service members transitioning out mm-hmm. uh, can intern with companies during the last six months of their career. Uh, that's a tremendous program. gives uh, veterans an opportunity to, to have a much more softer transition uh, and successful by actually immersing themselves into the civilian Smart. world. Yeah, um, there's a number of other organizations. So think about those state workforce agencies also, and some of the um, the uh, the nonprofits that are serving military spouses. So military spouses are also eligible for a lot of the workforce programs wherever they're going to or where they're at. Um, so you know they can they can benefit from that. Um, so Christopher, from, from your end, what what nonprofits are out there that beside your own that you think add value? Uh, there's some great ones. Like one of our partnerships is with American Corporate Partners that that provides a mentor for 12 months um, from, from, a, from a company, which an individual can work with and continue to do that. But to be honest, th- there's so many of them. We, we go through and we have a number of partners that we work with um, on the webpage, which you asked for, hireheroesusa.org. Um, there's, there's a list of our partners. And the interesting part is a lot of those, like America Serves, which is, uh, which is a series of community-based ones that is run by the Institute for Military and Veteran Families in, in Syracuse, out of Syracuse University. 
And all of those we have vetted. We have gone and we have said, okay, these are organizations that are doing good work towards veterans. What we did just a little while ago is we, we went and we looked at goes, okay, how many other organizations do each of these partners of ours refer to? Mm-hmm. So if we send somebody there, how many can they be direct referred to? And through the total no- network, we found out that was over 800 organizations throughout the United States. So by going on there and looking at our partners, mm. you suddenly are now on a path to probably get to an organization either in your local community through one of these community-based organizations or through a national partner to try to get the services that you need. And I think that's really kind of the future of where we're going, which is that if Hire Heroes isn't the answer, if you're not looking for employment or you're looking for a different type of it, then we've probably got a partner somewhere in the, in the ecosystem that's going to be able to provide. And you're and that, shepherding them to those, like you absolutely. said, VEO, right? Yeah, yeah, and if they become a uh, – and VEO is one of them. Right. And we work with VEO. You know, VEO is going to get them into an initial work situation. But, you know, when they want to actually – they've progressed and now they want to get into a nice salary job and utilize, you know, their veteran status, then we can work with them and now give them a highly qualified wow. resume and then work with one of the – we actually work with about 650 companies – that want to hire veterans. So now we can try to make that connection for them. And now we're progressing them out of that homelessness into no kidding, self-sufficiency and then home ownership and all the rest that goes along with it. So those partnerships and those other quality organizations are critical to our success. Mm. Yeah. I've got one to mention too. So the, uh, one one of the ones I want to mention is four block and four block serves a really niche market. You know, Matt mentioned about all the the three day mandatory transition that veterans have to go through. It's always three days, yeah, four hundred pages. Exactly. (laughs) It's always fun to go to those because sometimes there's veterans in there that that just go, "I'm not listening to any of this because I'm going to college." Mm -hmm. So, uh, so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to be. uh, I'm just going to sit here and look at my phone for the entire three days, (laughs) and I'm going to college. Don't care about any of this. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Now it's two years three years, four years, five years, and even six years down the road. Mm-hmm. And now we have highly educated veterans who have no idea how to transition out of college right. I- into the workforce. Right. And four block has found their niche. They offer uh, in, here in Atlanta, they got a great program with a retired Sergeant Major Roger Rowley that runs it. He's and awesome. they, um, th- they offer a full semester worth of transition assistance wow. where, you, where you come into uh, different companies hosted each week and you do three to four hours once a week on transition uh, assistance. It could be a resume, and I know they partner with higher heroes. They do. It could be networking. It's something we they, they all come to our summits. Mm-hmm. And it could be how to dress for success. They have fashion coordinators, uh, financial advice, they, you know, benefits advice. And so it's another great one that na- has a national presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could use some of that fashion advice. Can we can we all <laughs> sign up for that? Look, look, <laughs> looking at us, I think we all yeah, can. Everyone. So we if, I, if I can everyone. just add a couple of points here, yeah. I want to really kind of call I, I do want to call out Higher Heroes USA in, in, in a great way because um, – uh, among a lot of the nonprofit organizations that have really stood up, you know, in the last several years, a lot of them are focused on post 9/11 or you know f- uh, yes, service members right. that separated after uh, September 11th of 2001. But Higher Heroes USA is one of the first organizations that said, you know, we don't have that 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 line. Mm-hmm. They provide services to all veterans of all ages, all eras, and they also had been serving military spouses from the get go, mm-hmm. and that was really unique. Uh, so that was really kind of kind of kind of cool. Uh, that they had that foresight to say, no, there's a total demand out here that we really need to be able to, to, to provide services mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to kind of mention was, um, you know, when we take a look at uh, military spouses as well, uh, 
you mentioned before about um, federal hiring. Federal hiring uh, is is high demand, and uh, and having an organization that can help uh, service members and spouses, mm-hmm. um, you know, because spouses are also eligible for hiring preference in in federal jobs as well that they should be able to take advantage of. And having that wraparound, uh, whether you're coming out of the military now, uh, whether you're coming out of college now, but the other thing that's also important is that the majority of veterans in, in the workforce got out long before uh, September 11th, 2001, mm. uh, that they didn't have these programs, they didn't have these organizations uh, available to them. And a lot of them are experiencing some transition later on in life, uh, you know, 15, 20, 30 years now after they've separated. And these programs are available for them, too. It uh, uh, stands out. It's powerful. Um, you know, I think some, as you're alluding to, Matt, you know, some portions of the veterans community gets more attention or resources. And, and, and so it is really mm-hmm. neat to, to have uh, an agency on the show that, that open arms. Right, welcoming Absolutely. all those folks and their spouses, because that's mm. another that's another um, uh, gap that we've I think we've we've all identified over the last uh, ten fifteen years. Okay, so we're going to kind of wrap up on on getting um, a couple th- things here. First off, we're going to hear from Lloyd talking about where military candidates struggle in finding their next career, and then at, at, uh, Christopher, we want to circle back on the business case for why companies should hire military service members. But first off, Lloyd, let's talk about where you see military candidates struggling in finding their next career? Well, you know, for the longest time, it was the resume. You know, the military resumes were just pathetic. And a, uh, we did a very bad job with it, honestly. And things have improved. You know, one out of every ten military resume I get now is a Higher Heroes USA resume. So <laughs> they found Higher Heroes before they found me. They, uh, and, you know, another, you know, one or two out of ten are, are pretty dang good. You know, they went out and did their homework. And maybe only one is just really, really, really bad. So I, th- I think the resumes have gotten better. One of the biggest issues is networking. Mm. You know, a lot of jobs today, uh, you know, are found online through a company site or through the Department of Labor. But there's still a significant amount of jobs uh, being filled on who you know. That's and being true. aware of the job, and and I think veterans veterans do a great job with networking with other veterans. You put five Marines at a concert somewhere of forty thousand people; those five Marines are going to find each other, and they're <laughs> going to talk to each other, and, and you know they're going to be great. You put those same five Marines in a Vetlanta summit, a, uh, and they're not going to talk to anybody else. So the uh, which can be a struggle. Mm. Veterans oftentimes don't think about building their external network until it's time to leave the military. Then oftentimes it's too late. Well, there are some great, you know, approaches, great programs, great tools to help veterans uh, uh, to be able to network. And the first one's LinkedIn. You know, the I, I know Scott, you're big in the LinkedIn just like me, and uh, LinkedIn is just such an effective tool. Uh, oftentimes, veterans don't know how to use it, but there's a lot of resources, including mm-hmm. LinkedIn themselves, who will teach you how to do a profile. LinkedIn gives a free year a, a, a job search membership, mm-hmm. and and that is great. Then go so find spouses now too. Yeah, spouses yeah, too spouse. as well. Awesome. Th- then you know, I I challenge veterans to get out there in the communities, find your Vetlanas, go to your Chamber of Commerce events. Have business cards made and prepare that elevator speech. Mm-hmm. So that elevator speech is so important. Tell people who you are, what what you've done, and what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And a uh, you know, Vetlanta, we've been truly blessed that through our network, we we've helped 
hundreds of people find jobs over the you know the last five and a half years and a lot of times it's just making connections through that network absolutely uh, LinkedIn should sponsor uh, Vetlantic because you are been a, yeah. like a huge billboard for the, the LinkedIn commu- uh, service offering. But you know, uh, completely, um, what a great gesture for that LinkedIn has taken with offering the free access to military service members, veterans, and I didn't, I didn't, wasn't familiar with their their spouses. Can they they just started that real recently because okay. they saw the same struggle. I mean, I mean, military spouses right now are at three to four times the unemployment rate mm-hmm. of their civilian wow. counterparts. And they, they saw the struggle, and they, they reached out. So a big high-five to LinkedIn, and I think Microsoft is who owns yes, LinkedIn these correct. days. That, that's a, what a great uh, patriotic thing to do. Okay, so Christopher, let's let's talk more about the business case for why companies should hire military service members, especially think about you know, you've got a, a very friendly audience here, right? We all get it. We are very proud of our community and know what the impact can be made. But, but kind of couch your answer, if you could, for folks that may not – have uh, any much experience not just hiring military veteran uh, employees but also maybe interacting with veterans sure and there's really I, I could I could point to three different parts of it number one is just the type of employee that companies are looking for they're looking for people that that have self-responsibility that are going to show up for work they're going to take care of their equipment that are going to do a job well mm-hmm. they're looking for someone that have soft skills in terms of followership which they learn during basic and then hone during their military service. And then leadership, whether it's peer leadership because they are often given challenges um, or whether that's actual leadership and managerial roles. They've done this. Almost every military member has done all of that um, as they've been in the military. They've been inspired to do better critical thinking. They've had to do thinking underneath stress. Improvise. And improvise, overcome and adapt. That's you know, right. All the things you hear is true. I mean, we're tasked to do these things from the very moment that you enter it. So just in terms of having just a, a quality employee, before you even get to the other two, you've got someone who's going to work well for your company and put in the time and want to succeed because everybody wants to complete that mission. Everybody wants to do well. Mm-hmm. So you start with that. Then you add on that inside of the military these days, you're working with some of the highest technical capabilities that the country has. You're working in computers. You're working in logistics. Let's take supply chain logistics i mean this is is a great subject for for this well the military moves a lot of stuff Mm. i've heard this this is this is (laughs) this is what we do you know we we have to get a division of armor over to the middle east that is a challenge you know that is gas that is armor that is people that is food that is water that is and this has to be shipped it has to be you know palletized it has to be done these are people that are doing the task in right. the field under tough conditions and executing at a very high level. And the military has some of the best training programs in the world, no matter what it is. Yeah. So, so Christopher, real quick, when you're shipping right. all that stuff, it's <laughs> not like uh, when you when you when you move all the stuff and one massive feat that it goes under the Christmas tree. Right. <laughs> it's got to arrive and be prepared in in short order to project force. Yeah. Right? And then you have to get it not only to the major port. Then you're you know you're going transmodal and now right. you're getting it to all those different Overland. areas that you need to go successfully Overland, to fight a war many times in combat conditions right. you know people that don't want you to do that and so so you end up with the people that are specialized in these fields and inside the military we have everything we have medical technicians 
We have computer uh, IT people that are doing that. We have HR managers. We have logistics people. We have all these career fields besides just what you think of as, you know, a fighter pilot or a, an infantry person. It's a right. wide variety. So the odds are in your company somebody is trained to do what you want them to be trained of in the military. So that's number two. And then number three, we know that companies are stronger with diversity. And diversity is a lot of that is diversity of thought. And when you bring military people into your company, you're getting people with an unusual background mm. that have seen different parts of the world, that have had to look at challenges differently, that come with a training in how to do critical skills and uh, critical analyzation and figure out how to find solutions. Mm. So you end up with this high-quality worker who's trained in these specialized tasks at a world-class training capability and who has a different mode of thought and, is, and will look at problems differently than yeah. your normal person does. How can you not want that worker? I mean, this should be somebody you want to hire. I, I think a lot of civilian organizations do want to do that. I think they just don't know how. i got to tell you uh, one story that uh, I can relate to personally is um, I, I have started, run, and sold a few tech companies, and sales is a big part of what we do. Sales is a scary thing. It really is a scary thing. right? You have to talk to people who don't want to talk to you. Right, you you have to reach people who don't want to be reached. Most people don't like talking to people that they want. That they <laughs> don't <laughs> want to talk. To. It's true. <laughs> and and when and in the in a couple of instances, we put a vet in that position. And and after you've had the you know the situation of having someone who really doesn't want you around, possibly even trying to harm you, mm. right? The the fear of a sales conversation is lessened significantly. You know, I, I think they have the confidence of knowing, look, I can survive this, right? Mm -hmm. I survived Kandahar or whatever. Then if somebody hangs up on me, it's so not the end of the so world. the worst that can happen is they say no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, right. I, right. I've been asked. So they're not going to say no and shoot me. Yeah, I've been asked when, I've been asked when you know, stuff, tough stuff was going on. They're kind of like, well, you're taking this pretty well. And I said, well, nobody's dying today. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. I've, 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 I have perspective. I have a different perspective having gone through the career that I did than I would if I had not. It's and easy uh, to say this is not life and death. It's different <laughs> to have experienced this is really not life and death. Yeah, you gotta right. be grateful. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, and it's it is a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. But for the companies, it's it's a challenge for companies, and it can be it can be a whole variety of things. It can be how you wrote your job posting. That all of a sudden a vet goes, well, that's not me because you're asking for three years of experience in a very specific career field, mm -hmm. which we don't have in the military, mm -hmm. all the way to each individual person who's going to review resumes that see something different. And, hey, I've got four over here that look exactly like I want. And I'm not going to take the different one. And yeah. so it takes those people have to be trained and put that fifth one into the pile to give them a chance. And then the hiring manager that has to look by and, and say different is OK. Different is good. Different is what I'm looking for. And then they, when they have that vet finally in front of them that got through the job posting and got through the resume process, and now they're sitting in front of them, comes and talks well, and may not talk exactly mm -hmm. like you, that all of a sudden you go, but this is the person that I want to hire. So it's a, this whole process is tough to get to that end state of getting in the job. I have mm -hmm. to say that as, as a respectful civilian, lifelong civilian, I, I haven't yet retired from that, um, <laughs> uh, the couple things that I've learned here um, are that, that you have to recognize – vets almost as a, as a diversity group, right? And to, and to learn to accommodate and to interpret for yourself um, what the value of the experiences that a veteran has 
and and what they bring to your organization. And I think the other is I think it would be valuable for companies to actively network with veterans, whether they whether it's intending to continue to hire, but for civilian business people to act have an active opportunity, active take an effort I I mm-hmm. to yeah. to to uh, network with veterans because it, it is true. You, you want to hire people that you're comfortable with and you and you get comfortable with people you, you meet well, well, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to meet yeah guess what they're probably your customers as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, and yeah I, no doubt and I'll tell you one of the interesting things we find with the companies that we work with is that many times there's veterans in their organization that they don't even know are veterans yeah. because yeah. they don't self-identify mm. yeah and where we find success is where they've got a veterans group inside their company mm. and the leadership actually meets with them because then all of a sudden they're like oh okay, all these people are veterans. Mm. These are high-quality people. I understand them more. I want more of these people. Yeah. And so the company can do a lot to change the culture inside, which then encourages this hiring of veterans into their company. Mm. Hey, w- one thing the military does extremely well is they build leaders. You know, I look at myself. I, I was an enlisted uh, uh, airman, uh, retired as an E-7. Mm. I can tell you the Air Force made a significant investment to build my leadership capabilities. You know, I was an aircraft loadmaster. You know, I, I hauled cargo around the world. Mm-hmm. But they made a big investment in me, and I look back on it. I went to four professional leadership development schools. Wow. You know, the first one was uh, NCO prep school. It was, it was about a, a month long. A, uh, the next one was an N- NCO Academy, six weeks. Senior NCO Academy, eight weeks. Mm. The uh, First Sergeant Academy, the, uh, four weeks long. That is a huge investment. And guess what? This is uh, Air Force professional military education. Uh, they're, they're teaching me how to give, you know, give speeches, mm. how to write position papers, mm. how to be an effective leader and manager. And h- how many companies can you think of today that are sp- you know, sending their people to an eight-week in-resident leadership school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they know, the military they does an expend. amazing job. Yeah, they won't they won't pay the expense for that. It's you know it's it has to be an investment, and that's just the culture that we come from in the military that we invest very heavily in our technical training and our leadership training that you really don't find in the civilian world that mm-hmm. is generally externalized. Uh, we want you to have that and bring that with you, acquire it somewhere else and bring it whereas we internalize that in the military, mm. and that's tremendously valuable. Yeah, and, yeah. and we find that a uh, number of the companies that we work with, no companies are out there really saying, no, we don't want to hire any veterans. Mm. Uh, you know, everybody understands you know, the value that they can bring, and it really comes down to their own internal processes or mm. systems or practices that really kind of get in their own way. Uh, and once you kind of identify that with a company and saying, here's some sticking points where you might be losing an opportunity to identify a, a quality candidate, um, they really can can open the door for for a lot mm. of companies. Yeah, I, I learned about go ahead, I learned about Zig Ziglar mm. <laughs> in, in in the Air Force, right? The uh, Six Six book. Oh yeah, you know all that was from formal leadership development in the military. Mm. Mm. I think companies need to learn how to get on zero. Right. One of the things you learn when you start a lot of companies is getting from zero to one is <laughs> that's the hardest step. Zero to one employee, zero to one customer, <laughs> zero to one dollar in revenue. That's yeah. really hard. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and I think a lot of companies, they don't know what that first step is. And I'm not sure that it matters what that first step is. As my, great, as my grandfather used to say, a World War II vet, do something mm. if you do it wrong. Yeah. Right? I think you've, you've, I- if companies are at least intentional about taking a step, even if it's the wrong step, somebody will help 
We'll have a future episode, a Military 101 episode, uh, hey. where, where <laughs> we'll teach, we'll have a, a great panel discussion on what companies can do. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. So, Matt, uh, you, you shared a, a slew of resources and programs that are available uh, to veterans uh, and that, that programs that support military veteran employment. I, anything else that you did not touch on? Uh Sure. One of the one of the uh, popular uh, business models now for for talent development and hiring is uh, apprenticeship model is is a very successful. Uh, we have a, a tremendous skills gap. Uh, about seven and a half million jobs cannot be filled prim- primarily because there are not enough qualified or skilled candidates for a growing demand uh, that the inventory just doesn't have. And apprenticeship programs are, are great ways for companies to build that program. Mm. It's also a great uh, transition model for a lot of veterans uh, coming out and, and military spouses as well uh, because it requires them to learn new skill sets that are in high demand. Uh, the neat thing about the uh, registered apprenticeship program for veterans is that uh, post 9-11 veterans can use part of their benefits to, to help augment the costs. Uh, so they would receive their, their housing stipend portion of that as they go through mm. A, an established registered apprenticeship program. It can help kind of support the family while they're they're making that transition, having to mm-hmm. learn something new, mm-hmm. whether it's IT or whether it's something vocational. Um, the other neat thing about registered apprenticeship programs is that these are not, you know, your grandfather's apprenticeship programs. This is not a union or non-union kind of thing, and it's not just electricians and plumbers. Uh, they have apprentice uh, uh, programs in everything from IT, cybersecurity, healthcare, uh, to supply chain, a lot of uh, uh, jobs that are in high demand uh, have uh, some programs or can be uh, apprenticeships. So I would encourage a lot of people to take a look at that um, as as an option and 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 check on that. Love that. And and if we can, uh, if you there are there are any um, simple URLs or links that we can get from a lot of the great resources you've shared, we'll put it all in the show page notes mm-hmm. so that folks can. I mean, in some cases. Um, you know, if, if they don't like my jokes, they don't last it a whole hour <laughs> and 16-minute podcast. At least they can click on the links. And yeah, see if they the can the find. easiest one to go to for us is www.veterans.gov. That's and, easy enough. And, and just go there, and you can have a menu of options. If you want to look for a job, you click on that box. If you're a military spouse, you click on that box. If you want to start a company, you click on that box. Um, veterans.gov. Veterans.gov. Fantastic. Hey, another great resource in, in a, uh, is a Vetlanta member. Uh, Brian Arrington, who created Vets to Industry. Mm-hmm. So one one great thing, he, this guy has spent an amazing amount of time while you're looking for a job and finding that next career and putting all the resources together. So if you mm-hmm. go to Google or one of the search engines and you type in Vets to Industry, you'll be able to pull up his webpage with all those resources. I think that's numeral two, right? Vets to Industry. Yeah. Fantastic. And he, speaking of folks that are real active on LinkedIn, I see Brian all the time in my feed doing good work and helping other veterans uh, uh, you know, tackle this challenge of transition. Okay, so we're going to close on some big news, next big event in, uh, for Vetlana Lloyd, uh, September 25th. What's going on? Yeah, we've got a couple of great things coming on. The, uh, the first one is our next summit, is uh, uh, our Q3 summit. is going to be the 25th. It's at Coca-Cola headquarters. And this is going to be a really special event because we're focusing on women veterans. And it's the first time we've been able to do that. And in conjunction with that, our next episode, we're going to have two great women veterans who've been very successful in the industry come in. So so look for an announcement on that. And something we've just announced uh, is our new program we're going to support. It's a called Vet Talks. And if you've ever seen TED Talks, it's a 
veteran version of that in collaboration with the uh, Veterans Administration. So we're going to do two to three of those a year. So the very first one is going to kick it off at UPS. I'm proud to say he's going to sponsor it. And it's going to be right around Veterans Day. Uh, Look for a date to to be announced. And we're going to have four or five executives that are veterans that are going to, you know, tell you a little bit about their story. Mm-hmm. You know, how they were able to use the skills that they gained in the military to take it up the next notch in industry. Mm. Wow. Great. No shortage uh, of things going on. With, but that's the Vetlanta standard, right? I'm keeping busy. <laughs> well, uh, big thanks to uh, Lloyd and Christopher and Matt and, of course, to Greg for coming out here today on the Vetlanta Voice Series on Supply Chain Radio. Uh, looking forward to the next episode. Really appreciate uh, the, just the, the sheer level of volunteerism and um, uh, leadership that y'all are contributing to supporting our, the, the community that we love. So uh, very uh, grateful for what you do. Uh, so we're going to wrap up. Speaking of pay the bills, we've got to make a few announcements here, right? Can I make one announcement? Seven uh, sure. vets employed during this show. <laughs> love that. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, so let's talk about some of the ways that folks can come out and plug in with Supply Chain Radio. So um, we encourage folks to come check us out in person, much like we're here today at uh, Vector Global Logistics. So we are going to be a proud media partner of the 2019 AIAG SCAC Supply Chain and Quality Conference. $100 if y'all can guess what that acronym <laughs> Greg? I don't get the $100. You don't need my $100. Do yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's the Automotive Industry Action Group and the South Carolina Automotive Council. That's right. North, North Charleston, South Carolina, September 12th I'm through just, 13th. I'm just envisioning halls and halls full of cars. Absolutely. I'm really excited about <laughs> Sweet. this. Sweet. Yes, I'm really excited. Deals for veterans and non-veterans alike. Yeah. Uh, our live broadcast there is sponsored by the Effective Syndicate. And as uh, Greg mentioned, that whole conference, especially from a supply chain and quality standpoint, mm-hmm is going to be focused on the wide world of automotive. Then we've got uh, a, a great mutual friend that Lloyd and I have, Jason Moss, with the Georgia Manufacturing Alliance. We are going to be uh, tackling trends to track in supply chain panel session at the Georgia Manufacturing Summit and broadcasting live, where we think we have a special guest lined up. Yeah. Should right. We? Thanks to all right. Now let's let's, let's not announce let's, it just yet. Come let's, on, no, no we don't way. have a, We got to keep you coming back. We don't have a team of attorneys just yeah, yet. That's to, right. to, to have our back, but October Albert 9th. Sorto, we can talk about who right. helped make it happen. Yep. Um, and and Albert is leading the international panel at the Georgia Manufacturing Summit. Yeah. And did, you, did you say the date? October ninth. October 9th. 9th. Yep. Georgia Manufacturing Summit. Cobb Galleria in Atlanta. It's going to be over a 1,000 folks. If you are in or if you love the manufacturing industry, it's a place to be on October 9th, georgiamanufacturingalliance.com. Uh, and then what takes us to Austin, Texas, Craig? Uh, EFT. So uh, their 2019 Logistics CIO Summit in yep. lovely Austin. You don't need an excuse to go to Austin. No. Uh, and and you know, I've never been. Well, he, he's never been, and he doesn't know what Keep It Weird Austin means. Uh, <laughs> you'll learn. <laughs> yeah. Inside jokes. All right. Yeah. Very quickly. Uh, oh. <laughs> so November 7th and 8th, 2019, we'll be broadcasting live. We're, we're, we're really proud of that partnership we have with EFT. We had a great uh, 3PL and Supply Chain Summit here in Atlanta in June and looking forward to that event in November. And some others as well, I think. Yeah, we're still working. Uh, Malcolm, the research team, the whole uh, marketing team, Amanda and Clay, working on a variety of different uh, relationships. We, we we enjoy getting out in the field yep. and you know, kind of covering what goes on, especially in the best practice conversations, benchmarking conversations. 
One last note. So Modex 2020 is coming back to Atlanta in March, yep. and we've got two big projects going on there. Uh, what, what was that? Uh, so we've got the Atlanta Supply Chain Awards. That's yes. That's my personal favorite. 2020, which, as Lloyd may know, UPS served as a proud host sponsor of the first inaugural Atlanta Supply Chain Awards uh, last March. Don't be shy, Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, Shameless. The, uh, well, I'm, you know, I tout that. Uh, uh, I'm very proud of that because their their commitment to doing a first-year event is what helped make that finish into black. And also, to pull it really full circle, um, that allowed us to give two APIC yeah, supply chain certification right. sponsor uh, scholarships to two veterans oh, that we're looking to elevate. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and and so uh, uh, had two veterans go to Georgia Tech get get world class learning. Um, I think I'm not sure uh, if they've sat for the exam just yet, but that's where everything comes full circle. So really appreciate UPS's leadership. Uh, appreciate Modex hosting the 2020 Atlanta Supply Chain Awards. We'll be there broadcasting all four days. Live, Let's, live. That's right. Live, not Memorex. Yes, it's dangerous. <laughs> Anything live. You never know what Greg's going to say. Uh, Mode- <laughs> Come on, Greg. <laughs> Modexshow.com if you want to learn more. Uh, it's free to attend. There's gonna be, they're targeting 35,000 folks. It's one of the largest supply chain trade shows in the country in North America. And that's M-O-D-E-X show.com to learn more. If you're a veteran and you're looking to network, great opportunity. And that was fun in 2018. It's priced right. Right. Yep. Okay, so big thanks again to our guests here today on the Atlanta Voice series on Supply Chain Radio. Lloyd Knight uh, with UPS, also co-founder and president of Atlanta. Always great to co-host with you, Lloyd. Uh, other Greg, other co-host Greg White. Uh, you'll find Greg on a variety of shows uh, on Supply Chain Radio. Uh, also a serial supply chain tech entrepreneur where we we pick his brain all the time. Um, Christopher Plamp, CEO of Hire Heroes USA. Uh, and that's HireHeroesUSA.org? That's correct. Okay, fantastic. And Matthew Grobe with uh, the U.S. Department of Labor's Vets Office of Strategic Outreach. Hey, that's that pretty right. good. That's right. That's okay. pretty darn good. And yeah. the best clearinghouse for all, you know, you have so many resources there. I appreciate you taking mm-hmm. time to kind of mm-hmm. spell each one out. Veterans.gov is the, be- is the best place to go. Veterans.gov. Great. Yeah, we'll thanks. include those links in the show notes. Uh, to our audience, be sure to check out other upcoming events, replays of our interviews, other resources at SupplyChainNowRadio.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all the other leading sites where podcasts can be found. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. On behalf of the entire Supply Chain Now Radio team, Scott Luden wishing you a wonderful week ahead, and we will see you next time on Supply Chain Now Radio. Thanks, everybody. 